Laura, how do you measure developer productivity, particularly if you run an entire engineering organization? I'm so glad you asked me that, Max. Um, thanks for the <laughs> lovely intro. I mean, let's just get started with one of the most controversial questions in engineering you know, right <laughs> now. So productivity, it turns out, means a dozen different things to every single person. And even your own definition of it might change depending on the context. So when we think about productivity, the first thing that's really important is to get a common definition of it with your team. And I find that a lot of teams actually skip this. They think about things like, you know, pull requests or commits or story point velocity, when actually what might matter more is user adoption or cycle time or something else. So if you don't have the common definition, it's really hard to figure out what to change or what to optimize. So um, so that's just the, the start. That's scratching the surface of it. I'm curious, Max, about how you think about developer productivity. Well, I was talking to Abi Noda, who is the founder of DX, um, where he, he was previously the founder of Polpanda, which eventually got acquired mm -hmm. by GitHub, and they built a bunch of Git analytics. And, I, and yeah. I had a conversation with him back then where he was telling me, you know, they've been building this Git analytics tool for a long time, but realized that most of the metrics that they can actually automatically generate aren't mm -hmm. super valuable. Like they're not providing mm -hmm. the level of insights that the engineering leaders would like. And so I know he went off and built DX and is now focused much more on sort of a qualitative survey approach from what I understand. Mm -hmm. have, have you seen DX? What, what do you think about that? I have, and I am very hesitant to ever recommend a tool, but DX is one of the tools that I actually break my own rule for. Because I, So I'm a coach, and part of my credibility is my neutrality. Um, I don't get, I kind of take the, um, if you're into food, you might know J. Kenji Lopez-Alt. He's a kind of famous celebrity chef. But sometimes you'll see restaurants on his Instagram page, or like he's you know, saying, oh, I really like this cheese from like this cheese maker. But he's always so clear that he never takes free stuff. He will always pay for it. And he, you cannot buy his opinion for anything. So that's very much the attitude that I have, because that is my credibility um, as a as a trusted third party to help, you know, to help you get better. But DX is something I do really believe. I mean, they don't they don't pay me to do this. They, they don't send me free cheese either or anything. Um, <laughs> I just was recently at Lead Dev London speaking about productivity and effectiveness. And I'll kind of summarize my main point, which is that up until now, we have been indoctrinated with the idea that automatic measurements from tools like GitHub and Jira, telemetry data, is magnitudes more valuable than subjective data that comes from self-reporting. And we've been living in this or world where we either look at automatic automatically generated data or automatically collected data, or we look at survey met survey metrics, um, but never together. And what DX does is actually help you understand that the self-reflective part of it is a lot more important than we think it is living in the or world that we live in now. Because the thing is that the automatic data, telemetry data from GitHub, might take a poorly performing team and help them get better but it will never ever take a good team and make them great. There is just diminishing returns, the higher performing that you are. And I guarantee that if you just ask your developers what slows you down, what feels like friction, what makes you less effective, they will tell you, they know about it because they experience it every day. So instead of wasting all this time and quite honestly, all this money, because I, like, I implemented Git Prime four and a half years ago, back before it got acquired by Pluralsight, that was a very expensive tool that 
honestly did quite nothing. It didn't help us get better. The 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 data was very novel for uh, the beginning part of it. It was interesting to the management group, but you know, for whatever reason, and I know there's a lot of reasons that aren't necessarily Git Prime's problem <laughs> or a problem with the product. It just never landed well with the group and it didn't ever get us to the result that, you know, that's promised in their marketing. But what has always helped is data from retrospectives, discussions, one-on-one conversations, hackathons at team retreats where we work on a problem that's really facing the team that they come together and say, hey, this is a problem for us. We want to fix it. That's all the self-reported data that we've kind of been trained to not look at and not view as important as the telemetry data coming from from GitHub. Just doesn't look as cool on a dashboard, you know? It's fascinating to hear that telemetry data is actually useful for poorly performing teams. I wasn't aware of that. So could you maybe talk about that? So you're essentially saying like the Git Prime, Git Analytics kind of metrics, they're useful for taking a poor performing team and helping it improve a little bit. But then once you're in a good state, Mm -hmm. getting to great requires a very different approach from the sort of automatic telemetry. Yeah, definitely. I had this this conversation with Gerge Oros from Pragmatic Engineer recently. And we had, I think he had something on Twitter about agile and process. And that kind of follows the same pattern where like, very prescriptive things like agile processes or looking at certain metrics will help low-performing teams get better because the the opportunity space for improvement is just very vast. And there has to be some reason that those teams aren't yet performing with all of the information and education available to them. And so maybe it is using a tool or using a particular process that's the impetus or the catalyst to help them get better. And so it can help expose those problems and see those those bottlenecks that are not very difficult to optimize. But when you have a team that's performing really well, so the example that he shared was, you know, when Dora metrics came out, and we can talk about what Dora metrics are, but these are a collection of metrics that measure the efficiency and effectiveness of your software delivery systems. For a lot of teams in the elite category, which is like the highest that you can go, the highest performing, Dora metrics didn't help them at all. It didn't help them get better Mm. because they're already elite. So where do you go? Um, But in order to qualify as elite, all you had to do really was use continuous delivery from the beginning and maybe be a company that started within the five years prior to Dora metrics coming out. So when I was at CodeShip, I mean, we were in like the elite, elite, elite. We were a CI/CD company that had practiced automated testing, continuous delivery from day one. By no means were we perfect, but Dora Metrics really couldn't help a team like us. And I think there were lots of teams that, you know, thought, oh, great, we're elite, but we know we can get better. So what do we do? And that's just something that telemetry data really isn't going to help you, help you find out. That's fascinating to hear. It sounds almost like there's since everything's sort of becoming software now, or very many things are becoming mm-hmm. software, right? The bar yeah. has almost risen much, much higher than the Dora metrics can help you. The Dora metrics probably work great if you are, you know, a, a large existing organization that's trying to digitally transform to yeah. have a part of your company that does software. And to get those kinds of uh, organizations set up, I'm sure they work to, to a certain extent. But if you're already in the software industry, you're already sort of like the elite of, you know, the bar that people set for mm-hmm. every single company, but you're really a software company. And so your level of elite appears to be probably much, much, much higher than what those traditional organizations would mean. And, and, and if I'm hearing you correctly, you're essentially saying 
to get from you know a good software company to being a really great software company like you were trying to do at Codechip or, or, or did at Codechip, um, mm -hmm. those metrics really weren't helpful at all. You needed different ways of measuring the developer productivity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I think what's interesting as well, I think we, we have similar backgrounds in the sense that we've spent a lot of our careers in the developer tool area and like in like software for other people who make software. And I realized that that is absolutely a bubble. Um, <laughs> and there, you know, it is, it is worth calling that out because that is, you know, bi bias that I have and that you have. It's like, this is the world that we live in. But I think a lot of people that are at a startup have that same experience, whether they're in fintech or edtech or health tech. It's kind of a factor of the size and age of the company, not necessarily the sector. Dorametrics came out of so much research, and at the time, they were groundbreaking. This was the, the first time that we were able to look at all of this data from like 30,000 survey respondents and boil that down to four metrics that are common with all of the, the subset of those 30,000 respondents that consistently hit their business goals. It's just like a very remarkable research feat. So that was, you know, it really kind of, it opened the conversation and it set the industry on a path to be more curious about this and to be a bit more mature and thinking about like, what are we actually trying to measure? What's the outcome that we're looking for? The downside of Dora metrics though, is that they are often just seen as a checklist right now. Because you look at, okay, there's these four metrics, and if I measure these things, then I will achieve elite status. Or the way to achieve elite status is simply by measuring these things. And I mean, the whole premise of Dora metrics is that they fit into a software delivery system that also includes team culture and also includes developer effectiveness and friction and all these other things. But those parts aren't as attractive and like, marketable maybe as a as a checklist like you'll see google cloud if you search dora metrics google cloud is going to be one of the top hits because google acquired dora and they're going to say are you an elite performer you know you can use google cloud to hit these four key objectives and become elite so i mean part of it is like the industry kind of sucking up that dora metric goodness and, and kind of turning it into something that that's marketable that people want to buy Hey folks, we are hiring an engineering manager right now. We're looking for the first person to really help us build out the engineering team. If you are that person or could be that person, or if you know anybody that could be that person, please reach out to us. Go to graphstudent.io slash careers and let us know, reach out to us and let's have a conversation about it.